Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 88 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart. How the devil are you? <laughs> I'm okay, thanks mate, how are you? Yeah, not bad at all, not bad at all. How has your week been, slash how's your weekend been? Are you feeling suitably uh, relaxed? For date stamp purposes, we're doing this around about 9.30 on a Sunday morning, so yeah, I think you're in a position to come up pro or con on whether or not your weekend's been a good one. My weekend's been okay. Um, since I last saw you, I had been away last weekend. Um, I think we did Friday last week. Right, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then early doors, I headed off to the lovely Isle of Arran. Um, yes, um, uh, for a 60th birthday celebration, I believe. My mother, the bold Audrey, turned 60, so we, we nipped off to Arran for a, a holiday, uh, wherein a fair amount of us came down pretty ill with uh, food poisoning. Yeah, this is like I was very sorry to hear this. How are you feeling now? How is everyone feeling I know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling better now. Um, it, it was courtesy of some dodgy oysters. And mm, I don't mind telling risk. you, and I don't mind telling the listeners here that I was so ill, and I was vomiting so hard at one point that I soiled myself. My goodness. Yeah, well, yeah, there we are. That's how that's how dark it got. That's an image to conjure with. Thank you very much. Yeah, so that's a, a, a nice way to start your Monday. But now, as of this point, I'm feeling pretty good. Excellent, excellent. Fit and well and clean drawers. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> what have you been doing? I've been watching some things. All oh, right, okay. Uh, anything that would interest me? Well, I caught up with one that I believe you've already seen. And when I say I believe you've already seen it, I know for a fact that you have, because I think you've talked about it before. Um, I finally made time, seeing as it's on Netflix now, uh, to catch up with The Prodigy. Directed by Nicholas McCarthy, uh, of course, had previously made The Pact and At the Devil's Door. Yeah, yeah, I have seen this. I did talk about it. Uh, yeah, we have an, uh, so we have here um, Miles, an extremely kind of like a prodigious child, hence the name. He is the titular prodigy. Yeah, he's that. Like, he's uh, Georgie from It. Yes, that's where I know him from. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> who he is. Okay. Um, at the start, it just seems like he's going to be this very fast-developing or kind of uh, fast-learning kid. And uh, they're obviously very excited about that, and things take on a kind of sinister tone after that. Now, remember, you quite liked this, didn't you? Um, uh, sitting here now, I don't really remember much about it. I wouldn't say that was a massively positive development. I suppose not, but basically it's so... <laughs> I, I, I thought this was a bit of a mixed bag myself. I thought that um I thought the start was quite funny. Uh, you know, obviously you see the kid getting born and then has to kind of race through to the point that he is George Schmidt on the time. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. Uh, so it batters through that, but I think that it's funny that if it wasn't for the fact that obviously the kid's getting older in these scenes, you can tell how much time has passed by how increasingly mom Taylor Schilling's hair is becoming. <laughs> all the way through to the end when she looks like mrs doubtfire yeah <laughs> yeah exactly um i thought that the kid is actually like quite effectively creepy for quite a lot of this mm-hmm. um i think that a lot of that stuff kind of works and again it's kind of like when it's being kind of sinister in an understated way 
it lands a little better than when it has to go a little bit more bombastic later on. And inevitably, of course, um, Taylor Schilling's character finds someone who knows something about it. So obviously about an hour and 10 minutes in, there's a scene where she drives out to a remote <laughs> farmhouse in her car and has a conversation with this kind of shadowy, mysterious person who doesn't really, air quote, want to talk about that anymore kind of thing. That's all in the past. And I, th- I thought that it, from promising beginnings, it ended up really quite fiercely dumb. Yeah, it gets very silly. Um, although I did think it was funny. There was a couple of things that I thought were kind of funny in there that got used. Most notably, uh, I'm not going to say who, but a character gets shot in it. Right, yes. And it was the first time that I've ever acknowledged as a trope a gunshot and a cutaway to a flock of startled birds. <laughs> oh, you'll find that a lot in things now that you've now that you've kind of noticed it, now that it's it's in there. You see it all the time. I 100% will not be able to unring that bell. I'm confident of that. See, um, any time like, in any film where a sinister child murders someone in a, in a woods, or yes. any time someone is executed like gangland style in the woods, any time a gunshot rings out in the woods, or, or any time someone screams in the woods, those birds are taking flight, my friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm ready for it now. I'm ready now. But you know, it's just, I remember thinking I was like, you know, that, you know that thing. I kind of had like a, a usual suspect shot and cut moment when it happened because I look and then I just I just had this my entire cinema watching career flash before my eyes and I was like that happens all the fucking time. <laughs> Welcome to a bright new world, my friend. Oh, for Christ's sake. What about you? Um, well, well, I'm just talking about advanced children. One thing I do want to say, uh, just in case it registers, is that my son has found his voice. I mean, I'm not saying that he's sat there talking, right? He's not like the brain gremlin. I was going to say, is he articulating his opinions on the prodigy? He has found his voice, but it extends to nothing more than ear-rendering shrill screaming. Uh, so okay. if he begins that and it registers, apologies, listener. Now, I believe... I didn't mean that to sound so evangelical... Um, but mm-hmm. I believe that we might have seen something at the weekend that we could both discuss. I think that might be true. Yeah, well, I'm going to count down from three and then I want you to say it, right? Okay. Three, two, one. The lighthouse. Cats. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you took me the other way with that one. So I, I, did also see the li- I did also see the lighthouse. I mean, that's all well and good, but I don't want to blow by Cats without talking about it. Have you actually watched it? Yes, Jellicles can, Angelicals do! Oh my, okay. Yeah. So, was it as bad as everyone said it was, or are you going to surprise <laughs> me by being Evangelical about it? <laughs> when I said Evangelical earlier, I was like, <laughs> uh, What I will tell you is, <laughs> I, it is bad. But it's not just bad, Mitch. What yep. I'll tell you is, it's boring. Oh, that's disappointing. <laughs> I'll talk about it in greater detail. I think once you've seen it as well, we should talk about it more. But what I will say about it is it's an absolute masterclass in terrible visual effects. For a film that presumably has a massive budget, like this one clearly does, it's such Mm -hmm. a visual rush job it'll, it'll, I mean, it'll make your head it'll make your head spin i mean they've like they did talk about this at reasonable length or like this has been talked about at reasonable length and the fact that like um i think that the film was finished like something like eight hours before its premiere or something like that yeah i mean that's to me that's just preposterous that rush to get it out before christmas has totally fucked this film it does what seem I like an insane see? thing to have done but my god i can't believe it I, I, re- I really can't believe how bad it looks this cost 90 million dollars to make yeah, well... So there you go. It's it's unbelievably bad. And then there was moments I was like, is that fucking Ray Winston? What's he doing in this? 
I just kept whispering over to Jackie. That's Judy Dench. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. And that's Ian McKellen. Yeah. It's a roller coaster. And when we came out, we were very much like that to each other. What is a Jellicle cat? There's a whole song about it, right? But it, it it doesn't really extend to more than what I just sang. And a little bit where they no. keep putting other words in, like, Angelical cats, uh, uh, clerical cats, uh, like, American cats. And you're like, oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> None spherical of it makes cats. Well, yeah, that, honestly. James Corden plays a spherical cat. <laughs> For God's sake. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, you know the you know the first part of a film where you kind of get a quick rush around and you and you're introduced to your key characters. Uh, yes, uh-huh. rapid fire that, character that, introductions. Yeah, a rapid fire character introduction, of course. Uh, extend that to two hours. Yeah, I've heard this basically. Yeah, and I think I can't remember if I mentioned this before. Also, I think that this fits the format because it is apparently quite obviously a horror film. It's horrifyingly wriggly, and by that yeah. I mean the cats are constantly wriggling and moving in a way that I find unsettling. Yeah. There's never a moment where cats are just chilled out, apart from when Judy Dench is lounging provocatively in a basket. <laughs> oh, thank heavens for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, because like, I'm not that conversant with the story for this, but my understanding is that a bunch of jellical cats, whatever they may be, uh, turn up and introduce themselves in song and then audition to die. Yeah, yeah, with a view to ascending to the heavy side layer. The heavy side layer, okay. Yeah, yeah. Judy Dench is tasked with making the jellical choice. The chosen one will ascend in a hot air balloon that uh, uh, transpires to the heavy side layer. Of course. Um, I see, right, okay. <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to dwell on this much longer. No, it's no, no. It's starting to make no. me sad. No, but what I will say is your eyes at this point, Mitch, you've seen some stuff, but your eyes are clean. Your eyes are clear. Your eyes are unburdened with cats. When you see how glossy and silky and buff Idris Elba's cat is, that's you. You're fucked. <laughs> oh, man, I'm quite looking forward to it. I, I think bonus episode on this is still a possibility. Yeah, well, let's let's get it in your eyes. Yeah, let's let's conclude after that. And then we can take so, it from there. So the lighthouse, then. Yeah, quite a flip. So um, this is the new one for anyone that doesn't know, and I'm assuming that most of you will. It's a new one from Robert Eggers, of course, best known for uh, 2016's The Witch. Yeah. Uh, which uh, is an amazing film. Yes, love it. Uh, lighthouse two-hander here, uh, set unsurprisingly in a lighthouse, starring Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. Okay, so this yeah. I think is just about as bold a choice for a follow-up as you could make. I, I have my opinion on The Lighthouse, right? And it's quite an entrenched opinion. And it was an opinion that started forming early in the film. And it was an opinion that held all the way to the end. But okay. what I want to know is, what did you think of The Lighthouse? I liked it, but I would say that I didn't like it as much as The Witch. I um, disagree. Mm, interesting. Okay. What I would say is that I was surprised by how funny it was. <laughs> there was a lot more laughs in there than I expected. And they don't upset the tone, which is obviously something that I kind of see doing in quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that that ever happens. What I would say is that there is, I would say for the most part, this very clear demarcation of what's played for laughs and what isn't, mm-hmm. with a couple of exceptions, and I think that the exceptions are quite big misfires. Um, and I saw it in a very full theatre, and it did get a couple of unintentional laughs at right. a couple of moments. Don't want to say when they were, because I don't want to get spoiled or anything like that, but I think that like as it gets increasingly kind of trippier and stuff like that, I think that it's trying to do something extremely difficult with very little, and I think it mostly manages. But I think that also what I would say in the first half, 
when obviously everything's a little bit more sedate and kind of a little bit more slow burning. Uh, I think that the actual look of the thing is incredible. I think that for about the first half hour, every single shot looks like a painting. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think it's an absolutely deserved candidate for the best cinematography Oscar. Really great to see it in there for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it looks sensational. I think it sounds sensational. I think the two performances are unbelievably strong. They're just both very completely free performances. It's just a very bold double-hander. I loved it from the minute it started to the minute it ended. And I can't wait to watch it again. I think it's fair to say then that obviously me with slightly more qualifications than yours, we're kind of, we're both recommending this. I would say so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was stuff I had a problem with. Let me ask you this, did you have any walkouts? Uh, not that I could see. Um, and I saw this at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon and the screening was full. And after about 20 minutes, because obviously I think there's quite a lot of quite abstract shit in the first act. And um, I remember looking at it being like, oh, I wonder if everyone in here is going to stay the course. And as much as I could see, it looked like they did. Did you? Did yeah, you have any walkers? No, that, and that was kind of what I was going to say. That I was so surprised by that. Because to me, it is, a bit of, it is quite a tough sell. Um, can I ask a question? Just as a quick sideline. Mm-hmm. What is outside of festivals? What is the cinema screening that you were in that you believe had the most walkouts? Oh, um, well, I've only—I I can only tell you—I've only ever walked out of one film. Really? Um, for reasons beyond being knackered at a festival, right? Which I don't really count. because um, because I've done that a few times. Yeah, I'll always try to stay stay the course at a festival, but occasionally, if I'm falling asleep and I'm already a bit pissed, then I know there's no much point in being there because. I'm not really watching it at that point. Your time is literally better spent in bed at that point. Yeah, yeah, I'm just cozied up in a warm cinema and amongst my pals. I'd be better just coming to see it another day. Like, yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, I, the only film I've ever walked out of was Ready to Rumble. Okay, I don't know what that is. So that's a wrestling film from a few years ago. I think it was co-funded by the WCW, in which uh, David Arquette... So you remember a while ago we talked about David Arquette being the former WCW champion? Yes. Now he's a wrestler, He he wrestles now. But um, certainly run about this time, I believe that the the David Arquette winning the WCW title thing was very much a publicity stunt for Ready to Rumble. I see. Okay. Right, right, right. And it's god-awful. Uh, uh-huh. So that's so the only that's film the only I've ever walked out of. Yeah, and, I, and I, I can tell you I wasn't the only person walking out. Okay. I would say I have two that stick out in my mind, neither of which I thought were bad films. Inherent Vice. Right. Which, to be fair, I think I can kind of understand. I thought it was all right, but I think that it kind of sells itself as being this kind of like slightly eccentric kind of mystery film with a couple of name actors in it. And it's much, much stranger than that. So I think that I can understand why people maybe kind of felt like they didn't get what they paid for and left. Um, And the other one was uh, Eli Roth's Knock Knock, which I think probably my screening started off with 20 people in it and finished with about eight. (laughs) So more than 50% walkout rate. Yep, but I'm, I'm going to go on record. I have gone to bat for this film on numerous occasions, and I'm going to again. I think Knock Knock's great. So I can fully expect to see Knock Knock as a Mitch versus Andy choice in the near future, I would imagine, because Holy you love to punish shit. me. Yes, God, that's a great show, actually. Um, yeah, mm, watch the space. You got anything else? No, I don't, no. No, 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 no. I would just say, go check out The, the Lighthouse. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So for the last time... I feel it should have a, a slow piano score. Do, 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 do. Doo-doo. Mitch watched the Shockwaves 100. <laughs> Lovely, thank you. I did watch the Shockwaves 100, all 100 of them. Yeah. It's done. Congratulations. We concluded it last week. Thank you very much. We concluded it with The Exorcist 3. And I did promise last week that I would wring one more week of life out of this feature by assembling my top 10 from the Shockwaves 100. And have you done that? I have done that, yes. Uh, so I'm going to count them down now. Okay, so uh, we're beginning oh. at 10, working to 1, yes? Yes, correct, yeah. Okay, so, so 10, Society. 
Ah, hey, wonderful. At nine, the battery. Okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, at eight, drag me to hell. Right, okay. At seven, tales from the crypt, demon knight. Excellent choice. Billy Zane punches through a head. He sure does. Yes, yes, and much, much more. Yes. Number six, scream. Okay. Number five, get out. Number four, death dream. Right. Okay. Wow. Uh, number three, tenebrae. Right. Number two, angel heart. Okay. And any theories on what number one might be? Audition. Audition. Well done. <laughs> yes, well done, my friend. You've done it. You've done it. You've come a long way. We've come a long way. Our listeners have come with us on this journey, and now it is over. Yeah, to everyone who has been listening since very early on, and since I decided that I would watch The Shockwaves 100, thank you very much for sticking with us, and also, I'm very, very sorry. <laughs> and also, thanks to the guys at The Shockwaves Podcast for uh, putting this list together to make things a bit easier for you. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I told Rob Galuzzo when I met him in person at Fright Fest in 20. 20- 18 oh my god that i was doing this um <laughs> so i might i might message him and uh tell him that it's done and of course rebecca mckendry as well because she knows about it because we told her about it when she was on the show of course so what have they been saying you're getting very adventurous today i'm just trying some stuff man i'm trying to keep it spicy <laughs> very good it is feedback time though and we have had a decent amount of it this week unsurprisingly a decent amount of it also centering on versus this past week's film so big thank you to el gustavo cooper for joining us this week went down really well that episode really good time as well yeah 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 a weird one for me uh when i when i'm tasked with having to keep you and the guest on track yeah, I kind of had to throw my hands up in a bit defeat at some point, uh, about two-thirds of the way through. So uh, thanks for picking up the slack there. And like I say, welcome to a little peek behind the curtain to what it's like to be me on this show. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> you know what? I've tried it and I don't care for it. <laughs> so a few people getting in touch on this one. Uh, on Instagram, Danny Naylor, uh, Ken and Dawu. Just want to say a quick congratulations to Danny and also Liam Regan and crew who uh, just wrapped their new film this week. Yeah, absolutely. Well done, guys. And uh, yeah, he got in touch just simply saying, great flick on Instagram. Stephen Wales on Facebook also saying, love this film, but yes, it's a long and insane ride. <laughs> it most certainly is. So I have Saltire Popcorn at Saltire mm-hmm. Popcorn talking versus saying, another great chat on Strong Violent PC. Versus doesn't necessarily need defending, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the sheer insanity <laughs> of it makes it a great choice. I am long overdue a rewatch. Disappointed I didn't decide to pick it for Japanuary. And while I'm on the subject of hashtags that end in URI, congratulations Mitch Bain in successfully completing Veganuary. Thank you very much. And, Thanks. Uh, I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to do my best, yeah. Yeah, well, congratulations. There are animals out there who are doffing their hats. Is it James Corden's cat? Is it that who it is that's doffing their cap to me right now? <laughs> you mean Bustopher Jones? Oh, for fuck's sake, do I? Jesus. <laughs> yes, you do, my friend. <laughs> I have one more on Versus from our old pal Random Elements, Dave Malcolm. Yeah. Back in the dark days of eBay-only imports from Taiwan, I was obsessed with Kitamura's output, and Versus is a masterpiece alongside Alive and Heat After Dark. Most of his films are now on YouTube from the man himself. Yeah. Anything to know. One last thing, actually, in Versus as well. Uh, Magic Mercer getting in touch. Listening to this now, and I think I can safely declare that El Gustavo Cooper is one of my favourite guests the show has ever had. A sentiment actually also shared by Sheila Bain. Sheila Bain, her opinion is important, so uh, if Sheila says it's good, it's good. Good enough for me. Uh, I'm going to jump back a week to The Visitor. Okay. Darren Gaskell revisited The Visitor after this week's discussion in Strong Violent PC. Now, that's where the tweet ends, right? And Uh I I think for a film like The Visitor, that's a preposterous way to leave a tweet. Okay. (laughs) Um, so I, I did ask um, 
is that all you have to say? Perhaps it had short-circuited his mind to the point where words were meaningless. But <laughs> Maybe. But Darren did come back and say, well, there's a ton of stuff to say about it, but I'm giving the feedback a rest for a while. Even I sit there listening to the minisodes and thinking, not this guy again. Darren, fuck that. We like hearing from you. Yeah, I know. Don't be so hard on yourself, bro. If we didn't think your tweets were worth reading, we wouldn't fucking bother. That's true. <laughs> that is certainly true. I have one more, um, and it's in Congo. Oh, hello. Um, and it's from our man Dave Cooper, uh, Deluxe underscore man on Twitter. Just want to say a quick well done to uh, Dave Cooper as well this week. He has been talking a little bit to us and in general about uh, launching a podcast. And he did do an episode zero of uh, his podcast, which is going to be called Anyone for Seconds. And that's available in most places now. Oh, right. I haven't seen that. I will check that out, Dave. Yeah, I went and gave that a wee blast. But he got in touch and said, Congo, my new favorite episode. I wasn't ready for <laughs> hippo facts and wet myself laughing on the way to work this morning. Definitely going to keep an eye out for it. I also rewatched Mortal Kombat Annihilation and it made the first look Oscar-worthy. I've got a couple of things left. Uh, Stevie, okay. at film fan Stevie, got in touch to say, uh, with Free First Glasgow uh, just around the corner, only a man or a week away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should really have a chat about that. Yes, we should. Yeah, yeah. I'm revisiting episode 69 <laughs> of Strong Violet PC with Faction Man chatting about the Ghost in the Darkness. Faction Man, of course, Graham Hughes. Uh, whose uh, excellent Death of a Vlogger will be receiving its hometown premiere at Glasgow Fright Fest. Yeah. Yeah, 11pm on the Thursday night. It's it's so, so good. That's excellent. And Graham's lovely as well. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. But uh, thanks for checking that one out, Stevie. A uh, really fun episode as well. And anything else to wrap up? One last thing coming in from our old pal, Caitlin Downs. I am way behind on Strong Violent PC episodes, but keeping up to date with the minisodes. Anyone else expecting that Andy's son will have more film knowledge than any of us by the time he's a toddler? Potentially. To which I replied, certainly more than Mitch. (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for reaching out, Caitlin, and thanks to everyone else who got in touch this week. Yeah, always good to hear from you. Now, before we go on to the next thing that's in the conventional structure, I want to talk about a little bit of show-relevant horror news that came out this week. Ooh. Uh, Dave Cooper and film fan Stevie both bringing it to our attention that Columbia are rebooting slash remaking Anaconda. (laughs) Uh, For the big screen, no less. We don't know too much about this yet, apart from the fact that it's going to be made for a shit ton of money. Uh, They have got, like, proper blockbuster plans for this, and it's going to be written by Evan Doherty, who is best known for writing Tomb Raider, Snow White and the Huntsman, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That says all you need to know right there. Without elaborating pro or con, I will say that I agree. (laughs) We don't need this. I'm not certain that we do. We have three unwatched sequels still. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we should get to those at some point this year. Um, but yeah, we don't need a we don't need a new Anaconda film. We don't need it rebooted. Anaconda's fine. Tell you what, we will do though. Definitely, we will talk about it with Jill at some point. Yeah, I'd like to. And I know Jill tagged us in this story as well, but she left it quite vague as to her thoughts on the matter at this early stage of planning. Although I'm pretty sure Jill would want to throw her hat into that uh, director's chair. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I couldn't tell if her reaction was one of uh, outrage or excitement. Yeah, yeah, playing her cards close to her chest there. So yeah, just wanted to touch on that very briefly because obviously we've talked about Anaconda on this show more than we've talked about most films. <laughs> so I thought I'd merit a mention. So, moving on. <laughs> It is once again time for Mitch's Pitches. So Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He will have photoshopped out the title, the tagline, any identifying text, left only the image, and it will, of course, fall to me to describe the image to the best of my ability and, where possible, 
give it a title and a synopsis. Now, remind me, what was the title last week? I'm surprised you don't remember this, Mitch. It was Road Games. It was Road Games. How could I forget? Uh, retitled and reappropriated by me, if memory serves, as Chopin Mall. Oh, my God. I know. It wasn't great. Uh, however, a few people got in touch with four this week that I wanted to uh, touch on. Uh, starting with Instagram and C.P. Buckley, continuing his rich tradition of pitching films I would watch the living daylights out of. <laughs> While travelling down Route 66 late at night, a group of cheerleaders follow a bus to a small town that doesn't seem to be on any maps. They stop at the town's motel for a good night's sleep. When they wake the next morning, they find that one of their number is missing, and they can't leave the town because of a giant chasm that runs around the perimeter. As they explore the town's almost empty streets, they discover that the town is in fact a secret prison housing some of the most violent men in the country. Now they must fight to escape the town as its felonious inhabitants start to come for them. It's the 1978 exploitation thriller, The Town That Kills. Oh! <laughs> These streets want your meats. <laughs> uh, next up, we've got Alexis, Cosmic Ray Girl. Yes. A French detective, Nippy McQuiffles, heads <laughs> to Sweden to investigate her missing sister, Olga Stenklover. She heads to her sister's work, Ikea, to question the staff. The meatball chef, Blad Fink. Fuck. <laughs> Apologies to any Swedish listeners, by the way, for this one. <laughs> Looks suspicious, so Nippy spies on him in his kitchen. She uncovers that IKEA meatballs are made from the customers that have failed to find the exit. But can she find her missing sister and save the day? It's 1970s, nothing to lose. Right, okay. <laughs> not bad. I just want to quickly say to IKEA that uh, the views of our listeners do not represent the views of me and Mitch. Absolutely not. Uh, so, Tony Constantly. When a freak explosion at a Welsh monkey nut factory causes part-time admin assistant and apprentice jeweller my family to become fused with the salty produce, she must now team up with disgraced animal psychologist Dr. Hugh Bunglespunk <laughs> to unnut her mangled digits before the big aberyst with sexy necklace expo. Right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. In 1986's Monkey Nutmare, the unfortunate fingering of my family growler. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> so there you go. And finally, Kevin Matthews. Yeah, fight away, Kevin. Lonely accountant Horace goes skiing and finds himself a lovely chalet girl, Lorna Sausage. Oh. She takes a liking to him, allowing him to throw off the shackles of his grey-seated day job and explore some long-held kinks. But the passionate relationship turns dangerous as Horace dives further and further into his fantasies, looking to paint Lorna like a main street while he pretends to be a rush-hour traffic running up and down her body. <laughs> Lorna has had enough, but can she pull Horace back from his motorway madness? It's 1981 psychosexual horror that Bob Hoskins and Pamela Stevenson would rather you forget, My Way or the Highway. <laughs> That's uh, your lot for this week. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, clean sweep for Tony. Clean sweep for Tony, my family growler, and Monkey Nutmare, the unfortunate fingering of my family growler. Yes. Excellent. Okay, a double helping and nothing wing its way to Tony. Well done on that one. So... Yeah, ready? Why the hell not? Here it comes, my friend. Okay. Now, this is the moment in the show where I, Andy, send my co-host, Mitch, an image of a poster from a horror film from years gone by. It's arrived. Wonderful. Nice director's commentary there, by the way. <laughs> it was more like, what do you call that, is it audio descriptive? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mitch looks at the photo. His, eye, his eyebrows crinkle in confusion. Okay, here we go. Uh, okay, so we have a uh, woman in a state of some distress. Yeah, as has come the norm. Yeah, she is uh, lying on a hospital bed. 
um, or at least it looks like a hospital bed. She has a blanket over her. Uh, looks like she's probably topless, I would say, in the picture. Uh, she is looking aghast off to her left and our right. Uh, she has dark brown long hair and she's being held down by what appears to be two different people. Her right hand is being held down by a white-sleeved, white-handed man. Mm-hmm. And the other one, just a conventional human hand and forearm, which I can't put a gender on, really. It's just or, a Caucasian hand. Yeah, or a sleeve. There is no sleeve. There is no sleeve, no. And another pair of hands, this one with surgeon's gloves on them, is uh, brandishing a, what do you call those things? Like a scalpel? scalpel. Yes, correct. Um, uh, getting ready to presumably slice her open. The background of the image is black and there is no border. Thank you. So there you go. Distressed woman held down on bed uh, as scalpel brandishing presumable doctor gets ready to cut her open. I'm fine with that. You've hit all the points. Okay, cool. In that case, I will need but a moment. I don't know what it says about our chosen genre of choice, Mitch, right? But a lot of these posters are quite misogynistic and do feature a lot of women in uh, states of varying distress. Well, I mean, Andy, you do pick them. (laughs) I'm talking in general. I mean, you are, to a large extent, the master of our destiny on this one. Yeah, but... uh, Look at what I've got to play with. The problem is, it's prevalent, oh, is Mitch. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's, an, it's an epidemic. It is an epidemic. Speaking of which, are you mm-hmm. as worried as me about the coronavirus? It depends. How worried are you? Incredibly. I'm not too worried. I don't drink corona. <laughs> I'm a soul man. <laughs> Thank you, uh, so, The only thing I'm worried about is salmonella. <laughs> Right, that's fucking plenty. I have something here. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I fucking love you. <laughs> right, okay, yeah, what have you got? Much, I, I kind of feel like I get a pass on my pitch if you don't like it now. Okay, here we go. <laughs> From the team that brought you Thrift Store Death Bonanza and Grandma's Big Book of Unsavory Characters comes another chilling anthology. A team of fiercely intelligent and terrifyingly sadistic medical students have found a sick new way to test their skills, murdering their patients in ways that use their vast medical knowledge to make their deaths look like unavoidable surgery complications or undiscovered pre-existing conditions. Ooh. Journey into the minds of these devilish doctors of death as we're presented four stories from the case files of the shadowy, sinister troop known only as the Society in 1990's grimly unflinching Hippocratic Death, under the knife and fighting for life. <laughs> I would watch that. That sounds fucking excellent. Thanks. I actually thought it was alright. I'm not going to lie. I'd watch it. Wow. I'm assuming that it's not Hippocratic Death. Imagine it was. I know. I'd be delighted. Yeah, I would also, I'd, I'd, just, I'd just go and watch it as soon as we were done. Yeah, it's not. It's uh, 1981's X-Ray. X-Ray? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I know okay. the, image, uh, the, uh, the image has nothing at all whatsoever to do with an X-Ray. <laughs> True, actually. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, it's, uh, it's probably it's pretty tangential. Right, so what's that about, and who is synopsisizing? Um, I don't know if I've had this person before. Feels vaguely familiar. I'm not. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Matt Dash Two Eight Two. Okay, yeah, maybe. On you go. Divorcee Susan Jeremy goes to a local Los Angeles County hospital for a routine exam and finds herself stranded there while a maniac, dressed in a doctor's surgical mask and clothing, goes around killing all the staff who are associated with her. Could it possibly Why? be the psycho Harold? Who killed a friend of Susan's on Valentine's Day 19 years earlier? 
Is that all we're getting? That's it. That's the end. <laughs> excellent, excellent. The Psycho Herald. Love yep. it. <laughs> uh, have you seen this? I have, yeah. You can actually pick it up. It's part of the um, 88 film slasher classics collection. Okay, okay, okay. And is it a slasher classic in your estimation? It's a slasher film. <laughs> Understood. Okay, say no more. Yep. Uh, okay, that concludes Mitch's pitches for this week. That image will be everywhere as of right now. So uh, get pitching and uh, you might be winning nothing next week. Who knows? So, streaming platforms then. Yeah, what have we got? Uh, we have a lot of stuff this week. Uh, so starting with Netflix, on Friday the 7th, we have season one of Lock and Key. After their dad's murder, three oh, siblings right, okay. move with their mom to his ancestral estate where they discover magical keys that unlock powers and secrets. Ooh. Friday as well, been looking forward to this one for a while, A Sweet Misfit, played by Alison Brie. Right, I know, yep, I know you like the Brie. Uh, with a fondness for crafts, horses and supernatural crime shows, finds her increasingly lucid dreams trickling into her waking life. That's Horse Girl. <laughs> sure. I really like the look of this. I'm getting like really strong May vibes off the trailer. So, um, yeah, I've got some pretty high hopes for that. Um, Saturday 8th, we've got season 4 of Van Helsing. After three years in a coma, Vanessa awakens to a world ravaged by vampires. Now she and a motley band of fellow survivors fight to stay alive. Four seasons. Yeah, four seasons. Fuck. Must be doing the trick for some people, you know? Yeah, and I hope you're enjoying it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Amazon Prime, inevitably a new episode of Vikings. Not really anything else as far as I can tell. Uh, moving on to Shudder, who have got some interesting stuff this week on Monday. So today, if you're listening on the air date, we've got a short film, a 12-minute short called The Whistler. Right, okay. So it's directed by Jennifer Nicole Stang. Um, Lindsay is forced to babysit her sister Becky one night when, after innocently falling asleep, she wakes up to find her sister gone. Ooh. Yeah, sounds pretty good to me. On Thursday the 6th, we have episode 3 of The Deadlands, which seems to be doing really well, scoring really well with people in general. Mm -hmm. And on Friday the 7th, a little bit different, we've got the launch of a six-episode Shudder-exclusive podcast called Horror Noir Uncut. So obviously this is linked back to last year's Horror Noir documentary. Last year's excellent documentary, Horror Noir. Absolutely, yeah. So all six episodes of this are going to be made available on Friday. And it's basically extended interviews um, with people who kind of contributed or they were related to that documentary, including uh, Candyman's Tony Todd, uh, Blackula director William Crane. <laughs> uh, got uh, Tales from the Who actor Paula J. Parker, also Ken Foray, Keith David, oh, um, and many more. It's uh, hosted by the producer of Horror Noir and the co-writer of Horror Noir, Ashley Blackwell. And like I say, all six episodes of that available from Friday. Sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sky Cinema pulling some good stuff out of the bag this week. On Monday, we have Peter Strickland's In Fabric. Oh, right, okay, yeah. Now, I want to say that the way that this is synopsisized uh, is a massive misrepresentation of the kind of film that you're getting here because it just says Marianne Jean-Baptiste stars in this horror comedy about a killer dress. Right, okay. It is kind of a horror comedy, but it is far more serious face than that makes out. What I would say is as well that I, you might remember that I talked about it in a Minnesota a while ago. It is very good, uh, so I would recommend that. Less high on my favourites list. Coming Wednesday, we've got The Field Guide to Evil. Oh, uh, yeah, we talked about this before. Uh, yeah, Fright Fest last year, year past, to the 2018. Uh, so it's an anthology based on folklore from all over the world, featuring segments from Peter Strickland, best yes, known indeed. for In Fabric, that I talked about a minute ago. Um, Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala, obviously made Goodnight Mommy, and also Sean Evernell uh, made Baskin. Yeah. Uh, they're all in here directing segments for The Field Guide to Evil, which makes it all the more perplexing that the film itself is so bad. Yeah, I didn't have a good time with this. No, I hated it, actually. But um, I, I'm i not saying I was in the minority, but other opinions did exist in the screening <laughs> I was in. So uh, by all means, check it out. And if you do, let us know what you think. Uh, see if you took to it any more than I did. What I would say is I did like Sean Evernall's sequence. 
uh-huh. uh, or segment. Mm-hmm. I like that. But uh, yeah, for the most part, they didn't really work for me. But if you want to see for yourself, that's available on Sky Cinema from Wednesday. And if you want to see the segment, the melon heads that made Mitch call time. Yeah, that's there. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that was when I threw my hands up and stopped. <laughs> Thin. Uh, and on Friday, uh, Pet Cemetery 2019. Ah, cool. Okay. Um, I'm in there. Bit of a mixed bag for me, this one, but uh, on the whole, leans more to good. Yeah, I, I liked it more than a lot of people did, I think. Uh, I don't think it's like, it was it was never going to be bothering my top 10 list last year or anything like that, but I did think it was all right. Um, so that's just about your lot. I would say for a pick this week, I'm going to say either In Fabric or Horse Girl. Um, not known that much about Horse Girl, but owning In Fabric and liking In Fabric, I am going to say check out In Fabric. But um, I... Another, like, a really good week this week in terms of just being loaded up with stuff that's worth checking out. A very Peter Strickland-heavy week, which isn't a bad thing. No, 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 you could do a lot worse. So, let's take a look at this week's show. And we do have a guest this week. Whoop, whoop. He is the director of the Arrow Video new release, The Serial Killer's Guide to Life, is Staten Cousin Drew. And I'm looking forward to this one. I think, is this, this is the first... No, it's not the first Stephen King adaptation that we've done. Uh, (laughs) It depends if you count Lawnmower Man. Yeah. (laughs) Which I do, but I feel like he would insist that we don't. Yeah, I know he. he, I'm sure he would. (laughs) Uh, But we're going back to 1984 here. It's Children of the Corn. 1984's Children of the Corn. We're talking to Stanton Cousins Row, director of A Serial Killer's Guide to Life, about that this coming Friday. How are you feeling about that? Get in touch with us and let us know. Loads of ways you can do that, of course. Facebook and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC and you can email Scenes at gmail.com. Yep, and of course, check out our website, strongviolentpod.com, where you can find a list of everywhere you can listen and the associated links to do so. You can also find links to our Tee Public page where you can buy some little bits of merch. I'm going to try and get some other things up because there's some other opportunities on there for different merch that's not just t-shirts. Um, so I'm going to explore that a little bit more. Um, and of course you can find live dates as and when they're announced. Mm-hmm. We're back Friday talking Children of the Corn with Staten Cousins Row. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chats. Goodbye. Bye! You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.